Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5050 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5050. Enjoy. Brian, Nicole, thank you both very much. I want to echo... Um, I think what can only be described as the shock. I think that we all feel um, there are moments in this job when you realize that you're witnessing some of the great horrors of history. This is a president who was just hospitalized for an in intensely contagious disease. He is still highly contagious, highly contagious. And the first thing we saw when Donald Trump returned to the White House and this after spending, he was at Walter Reed for three days, potentially with pneumonia related to COVID-19. He comes back to the White House, and the first thing that we saw him do after we saw the camera lights come on, because he's clearly shooting an advertisement, a video, a propaganda piece, whatever it is he's doing right now, the first thing he did was to take off his mask. He took off his mask a highly infectious person standing there surrounded by many other people, presumably production people, potentially staff people. Who knows where the White House staff is tonight? Who knows where the innocent White House staff, the hundreds of people who have to work in that White House and who do so out of a sense of loyalty and tradition, who uphold the finest traditions of this country, now have to be exposed to Whatever virus is being breathed out of the mouth of the president of the United States, I've never seen anything like this. Honestly, this is the most irresponsible thing I've ever seen a president do. He's doing it for pure ego. He's doing it simply because he can. He's using Marine One as a prop. He's using the White House, our house, as a prop to literally spread COVID without a mask on simply because he wanted to make a video. He wanted to make a video. He couldn't stay in Walter Reed, the finest hospital in this country, because he needed to get home immediately to create a commercial. I don't even know what else to say. I'm going to I'm going to just uh, introduce my guest, Eli Stokels, White House reporter for The Los Angeles Times, Dr. Kavita Patel, former Obama White House policy director, Neera Tandon, president and CEO of the Center for American Progress and a former White House senior advisor to President Obama, who has herself recovered from covid. I don't even know where to begin, honestly. Um, I guess I'm just going to go right down the middle to Dr. Patel. I apologize. I, I messed up my staff's brilliant job of writing a, a tremendous open. It would have been really good, I promise you. It was really well done. But I am speechless. I am stunned. I have to be honest with you, I'm disgusted by what I just saw. This man is contagious. He just exposed his Secret Service agents, who, as Nicole Wallace pointed out, are some of the finest, most professional people. Anyone who's ever experienced the Secret Service knows they are true professionals in every moment of their job, 
would take a bullet for this president, not take one from the president. I'm just going to pass it on over to you, uh, Dr. Patel. What do you make of that, that scene of Donald Trump taking off his mask in front of people? Joy, this has been a series of cringeworthy moments, and, and that was one of the, I mean, I, I still don't even know how to fully characterize to people how cringeworthy that was. And it's just, I, I guess I'm just not surprised. It was the motorcade one day inside of an SUV that compromised those Secret Service agents. It's putting those doctors who are giving those daily briefings on the steps of the hospital to, I, I can't help but think that they're being forced to put a rosier spin. You know, he's not out of the woods yet. And, you know, we still have to watch him closely. And I guess, Joy, look at the tweets. You know, this is, I'm not afraid. You don't need to be afraid afraid. I feel better than I have in 20 years with no acknowledgement that 210,000 people and climbing have died from this and that millions more are sitting wondering, like Nira, what will the longer term effects of this be? So zero acknowledgement. It's not just the risk to the people around him, to West Wing staff, executive office staff, but think about where those staff go to get coffee, to eat lunch. There are people who have no choice but to do their jobs, and doing their jobs are putting their lives at risk. And it's, it's beyond irresponsible. It's literally everything. Malpractice. It's selfishness. And I'm frankly tired of seeing, you know, we all wanted the president to recover, but I'm frankly tired of making excuses in the name of just saying, yes, the president should recover. Yes, he should. But yes, he should be sorry that this was brought upon the people around him and that he put their lives at risk. And we haven't heard one iota of humility, sorrow, or even the faintest hint that he now understands what millions of Americans do and that he will work to protect them. You heard none of that. This is a, a, a Mussolini <laughs> moment, uh, Donald Trump who looks like he has makeup on, which means somebody had to get close enough to make up his face with his favorite orange patina. He's standing there as if he is, um, you know, a member of the old Russian czar family. Um, I, I don't know what that's supposed to be. I guess it's his sort of discount Bolsonaro, Nira. Um, <laughs> you suffered from COVID yourself. You know how mm -hmm. the, Donald Trump has been out of the hospital for a few, you know, less than an hour. He was in the hospital for only a couple of days. When you experienced yourself having COVID-19, how long did it take you to feel well enough to throw on some makeup and do some video? <laughs> it, you know, I'm pretty healthy, um, and it took me six weeks. But I, I think what's, what's stunning about this is just, and, and really I found jaw-dropping, was that he didn't wear a mask. I mean, when I had the virus, I put on a mask to move around to go to my kitchen, you know, because I wanted to protect other people in my household. The idea that he is walking around without a mask when he knows he has the virus and he's contagious. We all know he's contagious. So uh, it's, it's, I... it, it's, it's a breathtaking amount of selfishness. And honestly, the president of the United States is a virus spreader. It's shocking. I mean, he mismanaged yeah. the virus. 200,000 people have died on his watch. Thousands of people are dead because he mismanaged the virus. And now he is spreading the virus by refusing to wear a mask. He wants video of himself looking like himself so he doesn't wear a mask. I mean, I, I just like, I could not 
imagine a greater act of selfishness by a human being, let alone the president of the United States, who is supposed to protect us, like make sure we're all protected. He's doing the opposite. He's endangering people around him. Yeah, and he couldn't even protect himself. Um, maybe, uh, you know, <laughs> Eli, I think about um, this wonderful woman named Mrs. Reed, who, of course, I kind of bonded with because her name is Mrs. Reed, and she was the head usher. She was the first black woman to be the head usher mm -hmm. in the White House, uh, who, you know, took my godmother down the special elevator so that she could go and meet President Obama when we went there for a Christmas, you know, media thing. And, you know, I've never forgotten her. You know, the people who work in the White House, many of whom are black and brown, are immigrants. She was a Jamaican. She's a Jamaican-American um, citizen. Um, these are people who are hardworking, who have nothing to do with politics. They're not political. They serve Republican presidents, Democratic presidents. Either way, they're going to give any of those families the best service. They're now exposed to him. They're exposed to Melania, who, in addition to not wanting to do the Christmas presents, also has COVID, because she was also at one of these spreader events. They're now exposed for no reason of their own. Can you give us a sense of what the mood is? I know that Donald Trump in the past, the staff, uh, this is just a piece from The Wall Street Journal. As the virus spread among people closest to him, Trump asked one advisor not to disclose the results of their own positive test. Don't tell anyone, he said. Don't tell anyone, a person close with the, familiar with the conversation. So they've been discouraging people and asking people to lie and not say they have it. Do you know what the mood is right now in the White House receiving this person back in their midst? Well, Joy, I know that it's been anxious and uncertainty in the West Wing and outside the West Wing as staffers are working from home uh, for several days now, ever since the president's diagnosis. And we have had staffers uh, asking us in the media to try to get answers about the president when the president first received a positive test, when he may have been contagious, because people in this White House who have been around him, who have traveled with him, and just those who are in and around the West Wing, around people who are traveling with him, they want to know whether they were exposed. This is very unsettling for these people who work in this West Wing, and they just can't get in any answers themselves. And certainly, they have also seen, just like we have, the president putting the people who work for him uh, at risk, whether it's the Secret Service agents who were driving uh, the beast yesterday as he did the little parade drive-by uh, outside Walter Reed, uh, the photographers he called into the hospital over the weekend to shoot the photographs of him uh, signing blank pieces of paper at, in a conference room, and the people uh, who we just saw uh, recording what is certainly a campaign video there in the South foyer Sorry. of the White House tonight as the president sat there without a mask. And so, you know, this is clearly just a president who, you know, staffers will defend him publicly, uh, but there is some concern now that this is very real, that there is a very contagious virus uh, and an outbreak uh, in and around the White House. Uh, and, and people are nervous about it. Obviously, they know Donald Trump. We all know him. We know the primacy he puts on optics. We know... Uh, the self-focus, we're familiar with the narcissism. Uh, and, and people now uh, are in a position where if you're around him, whether you work in the West Wing, whether you work in the residence, whether you're a journalist covering this administration, people are now all uh, in harm's way. But I would just say, as far as the photo op, the obsession with photo ops, you see the president taking off the mask tonight, uh, making these videos. A lot of times, the photo ops that he tries to engineer, they do not necessarily show the country what he thinks they show. He thinks he's projecting strength in these videos. But a lot of people, I mean, there's polling to show that his uh, approval rating or disapproval rating for his handling of the coronavirus is now at 60%. That's the worst it's been, 60% of the country disapproving of him. And you're seeing the careless behavior still, just like Lafayette Square in June, where he thought it was going to show strength walking across that park and going to the church. 
it didn't work out for him that people saw strength. People saw a president who was willing to tear gas people who were protesting and exercising their First Amendment rights so he could stage a photo op. And I think when people see this behavior tonight from the walk out of the hospital to the president standing there uh, on the balcony and showing himself to the country, the example of a person who has contracted and still has COVID-19 standing there without a mask around other people. I just don't know that that's sending the message to the country uh, that the president thinks he is sending at this point. It makes him look like a monster. Um, and let's not forget the little drive around that he did to go around the block weekly waving from the uh, from a, a sealed Secret Service included vehicle where people were trapped in right. there. Those Secret Service men were trapped in there because he needed to drive by and get waves from his fans, including the head of the Proud Boys. Um, let's go back a little further, because you have this event on Saturday um, where so far we know that Chris Christie, Kaylee McEnany, Melania, T uh, Tom Tillis, Kellyanne Conway, who, by the way, um, apparently her daughter is now um, sick because of it as well, and put that on TikTok. The president of Notre Dame, all were there. Now all are infected. And there's no contact tracing being done. The White House decided they're not going to contact trace because of that. They ain't doing it. They're just going to keep merrily rolling along like it's just perfectly normal. I want to talk to you very quickly, Dr. Patel, about the complicity of doctors in this. A do a doctors let him out. I realize there are, there are medical facilities in the White House, so he can be treated in the White House. But here's Dr. Sean Conley, who we're re forced to rely upon for information about Donald Trump's health. Here he is today, still not being able to be fully honest. There it is. There's the little spread circle from the Saturday event. Um, let's listen to Dr. Conley. So did you over-treat him? And if he's still on that medication, how is it safe for him to return to the White House? So we, se uh, we send patients home with medications all the time. And how is it safe for him now to return to the White House where there have been so many cases? How is any of this safe? So the, the, the president has been surrounded by medical and security staff for days uh, wearing full PPE. Do you remember when he had his last negative test? I, I don't want to go backwards. How do you keep him safely quarantined? I wish I could go into that more, um, but, but I just can't. Or any inflammation in his lungs at all? So we, we've done routine standard imaging. Um, I'm just not uh, uh, at liberty to discuss. Where are the medical ethics, Dr. Patel? Um, first of all, there's no HIPAA protection for the president of the United States. His health is a subject of national security, so he doesn't get HIPAA. Like, he, he's supposed to tell us what his health is. But can you just walk us through the reality, not this mime, this freak show that we just saw uh, in the little Donald Trump video uh, montage that he just created. If somebody is sick with COVID, let's say, for instance, maybe he got infected on Saturday or maybe he spread it on Saturday and he's been asymptomatic until Thursday and then he starts showing symptoms on Thursday. I'm just this is all theoretical because we don't know because they won't tell us. It can that person because I know people who have had COVID and who have been initially sent home with Tylenol and later had to check themselves into the ER. Is yeah, Donald Trump out of the woods because he's in the White House? Does that show that there's some, that, does that somehow indicate he is now healthy? No, and I think that's, everything you're pointing out is illustrating that not only are we not getting the complete picture, but I think what you're alluding to, that Dr. Conley, who look, I'm sure uh, clearly he's incredibly accomplished, but unfortunately it's, you're really defined kind of by these moments when you really do have to be incredibly objective and ethical to your point. 
first do no harm. That's the oath we all take. And what Dr. Conley is doing is actively kind of propagating harm. And you can't help but wonder if it's because he's trying to please this president. You've seen this before, by the way, with the previous White House physician, Ronnie Jackson. So this is a pattern where the president has consistently surrounded himself by people who tell him what he wants to hear. And what you're seeing, unfortunately, is the collision of that with a virus. Who doesn't care what the title is or what you want to hear? It is just going to work through your body the way the virus knows how. And so it's inconsistent. And to your point, it's unethical to just selectively reveal and cite HIPAA when you don't want to talk about some of the incredibly critical facts. And then you can selectively say, well, his temperature was this and, oh, he's in good spirits and he's ready to get back out there. But, oh, I can't talk about, I don't want to look back. Actually, Public Health 101, we're in a pandemic. If you can't look back in order to look <laughs> forward, then you need to have your medical license taken away. And I, I never, Joy, get this serious and critical. I don't know him personally, but there is no doubt in my mind that the president, his family, and to your point, the staff who are putting their lives on the line are not being serviced by this physician in his current demeanor. That is just, without a doubt, not happening. You know, um, it, it, Nira, I, it, it, is, it boggles the mind that this is also the president that wants to take health care away from 20 million people. Um, he wants to get rid of Obamacare because there's an Obama in it. Um, mm -hmm. He gets blue chip health care that he paid $750 in taxes for because he doesn't pay his taxes. But he gets the best health care. The message he's sending with this, don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it control your life. Yeah, you don't have to let it control your life, man, because you live in the White House. You have a hospital in the White House. You have a Walter Reed. Can you just talk about sort of the, 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 the Biden campaign has been very, 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 they have, they have shown great equanimity, I shall say, great restraint. <laughs> I'm having trouble showing restraint, and I'm supposed to, because I'm on TV, supposed to be delivering the news. <laughs> I don't know how to even, how, how the, the Biden camp, in your view, should even respond. As somebody who has intimate knowledge of the Affordable Care Act yourself and who has also gone through COVID, what, should they, what can they even do about this display they've seen? I mean, I think the truth is that the American people have made a judgment about Donald Trump's behavior, and it is that they find him to be wrong. He's mishandled the virus, and, you know, they, they basically say he's responsible for getting sick. We have two to one, uh, more than two to one, 66 percent of Americans think that he's, you know, has a responsibility here for his sickness and has mishandled the virus. And I, I think you're absolutely right. I think this whole this whole picture points to a president who uses the privileges of the office to have health care for himself while desperately working to take away health care from over 20 million people in a pandemic. That's what the Supreme Court fight is about. That's what his lawsuit is about. And But I also think we should not lose sight of some basic facts here, which is that today the White House refuses to tell us when the president's last negative test was. And they refuse to contact race. And I think that raises an enormous number of questions about when the president was actually sick. <laughs> I mean, we can't really take the word of the of the White House on this. And also what his role is or has been in possibly infecting other people. You know, people in his debate prep got yeah. very sick, people in the White House. And they won't answer this question. And I think we have to ponder the fact that it, the possibility, I should say, that the president's 
has already gotten people sick, that he is part of it. And that yeah. is why they are not sharing facts with the American people. Yeah, I mean, it's almost too cruel to call him typhoid Trump, because at least, you know, typhoid Mary didn't realize she was sick. She was actually right. asymptomatic and didn't realize that she had it. He knows he has it. And he's still being typhoid Trump. He's willing to get people sick, and he thinks people should go along with it. I guess he really did mean it when he didn't misspeak when he said herd mentality. Uh, I guess that's what he's trying to go with. Eli Stokels, Dr. Kavita Patel, Neera Tandon, thank you all very much. Uh, joining me now is Tim O'Brien, senior columnist at Bloomberg Opinion. And Tim, all I can think when I see this Mussolini act in front of us of Donald Trump ripping off his mask and showing off his orange uh, patinaed face, a made-up face, is 25th Amendment. Um, Bill Kristol tweeted it earlier today that the fourth article of the 25th Amendment might need to be in place here because this is somebody who was on all sorts of medications with all sorts of side effects. We don't know what the side effects are in terms of his psychological condition and in terms of, you know, it, 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 whatever else. And here he is behaving in this way. You know this man. What is this? What is happening? Uh, this is Donald Trump fully formed, Joy, without any regard for the well-being of the country, the people around him, or anything else. You know, you and I have been talking about this stuff together now for, I think, at least four years, maybe five. And, five years. And we get, five years. Yeah, five years. And and on different weeks, you know, I think some of our conversations have begun with, does this surprise you? Or is this surprising? Because we've had these cycles of outrageous, despicable behavior. I have to say, this is the first time in his entire presidency that I've been surprised by Trump. Because what you're witnessing right now, it's somebody who knows he's ill and he's willing to expose everyone around him for the sake of his own ego. This is how damaged and disturbed and dangerous this man is. And, you know, it's easy to get hyperbolic about Donald Trump. Uh, but there is no reason right now, given what we've witnessed over the last few days, uh, not to call it for exactly what he, what. It is. He is an unhinged man who doesn't discipline himself, lacks the capacity to do that, and is part of a party that will not step in and restrain him. It, it's very, you know, yeah. every doctor who, who looks at the regime, the, the medical regime regimen that Trump just went through, there's a good chance he is very hopped up right now on steroids and is not feeling the full force of this of this infection. Uh, and and and, and he will in a few days, most likely. This is a man who also has his finger on the nuclear button, has control of the military, runs a federal government that touches every aspect of American lives. And there is no reason for anyone in the country right now to trust that his decision-making is lucid, that it is generous, that it is sophisticated, and that it is trustworthy. Every box you would want to tick off right now about whether or not we should trust this man in this moment in this presidency says no, no, and no. And there should be an intervention. This is this is this is the bottom. We are watching the bottom right now. And you've even heard some reporting that even his namesake son um, is concerned, you know, about his behavior. Uh, you know what, I, I want just don't go anywhere, Tim. I want to keep you here, but I want to bring in Dr. Esther Chu, associate professor uh, at the Center for Policy and Research in Emergency Medicine at Oregon Health and Science University. And the reason I want to bring you in, Dr. Chu, is that Tim just mentioned the steroids. What are the side effects 
of the steroid medications that Donald Trump is on? And are there psych psycho psychological side effects? Are there, you know, behavioral side effects potentially? Yeah, there certainly are a number of side effects of steroids, including mania and psychosis. Um, and, you know, not everyone experiences them, but they're a big risk, so much so that when we put people on high-dose steroids for conditions like COVID, we um, we all know as a clinical team that we're going to watch people very carefully for these behaviors. Um, and, and, and it's not just the steroids, to be clear. Um, you know, the steroids are just one thing. It's also that COVID itself has neuropsychiatric symptoms. It's also that a person with dipping oxygen levels, um, that can also affect your brain function. It's also that when you go on numerous new medications, um, and you're an older person and you're in and out of the hospital and your environment is changing, um, that also can have an, an, an effect on your mental status, your, your judgment, your, um, your psychological state. Um, there's a phenomenon that mm -hmm. we often see among older patients when they come to the hospital called sundowning, where overnight you get completely confused. And so there, he has just multiple reasons to have uh, to have fluctuating mental status uh, changes uh, uh, over these past few days. And just to be clear, the steroids are for somebody who's having trouble breathing. Is that what is that what the steroids are for? The steroids are, I mean, we commonly use steroids for things like asthma and emphysema and other respiratory illnesses. Um, in particular, uh, steroids have been, are one of the very few things that have been shown to have uh, uh, you know, evidence in, in improving the course of COVID for people with lung disease and low mm -hmm. oxygen levels specifically. So yeah. just the fact that he's on steroids suggests that he has severe COVID. And just to be very, you know, very Joy, clear, sorry. would you ever advise somebody, well, I'm going to come right back to you, I promise. I'm sorry. I'm just going to, one more question uh, and then I, I just want to okay. come back to you. Dr. Chu, would you ever, ever advise a patient of yours who was actively contagious with COVID under any circumstances to take off their mask in front of other people. That whole scene we just saw in front of the White House where he marched up there and took off his mask. And I mean, that was. You ready to go to work? I'm so ready to go to work. She's Joe Biden's choice to be next in line. But who is Kamala Harris? I did not see that she was going to be an attorney general, a senator, a vice presidential nominee. Join me, Joy Reid, as I explore her life's journey from Oakland to Washington. So we sit down in the office and she's like, I'm at 6%. And I was like, well, what the f am I supposed to do with that? From MSNBC and Wondery, Kamala, next in line. New episodes every Monday. Subscribe for free wherever you're listening right now. On Friday, October 16th, how one man saw the presidency will change how you see the world. Focus Features and MSNBC Films present The Way I See It, based on the New York Times number one bestseller. From the producer of the Academy Award-winning Free Solo and director Don Porter, this new documentary offers an unprecedented look behind the scenes at two of the most iconic presidents in American history, Barack Obama and Ronald Reagan, as seen through the eyes of renowned official White House photographer, Pete Souza. Souza was eyewitness to what it means to be the most powerful person on earth, an experience that transformed him from a photojournalist to a searing commentator and activist on the issues we face as a country today. The Way I See It is your behind-the-scenes all-access pass to the highest office in the land through the lens of a man who captured it all. Watch the television premiere of The Way I See It, commercial-free, Friday, October 16th at 10 p.m. Eastern on MSNBC. That was terrible from a public health messaging standpoint. So when I watched that, I thought, okay, 
this is terrible for people who are just seeing him rip off that mask and receiving that message. And then when the photographers and other staff came near him and around him, I felt like I was watching medical foul play. I mean, here's a person who has active COVID, who is infectious with a disease that is transmitted by aerosol, who is allowing people to come that close to him. Um, I mean, uh, it, it was it was so painful to watch. And I mean, it really was like watching somebody on TV inflict deliberate harm to people around them with with no regard for their well-being. And I can just imagine that's playing out 100 times as it goes into his residence. Uh, I'm thinking of the staff, um, the White House staff, many of whom have already, uh, a couple of whom at least have already been affected. Are, are they um, are yes. they provided personal protective equipment? Are they wearing N95 masks? Do they have any choice in the matter um, as they're in the White House with someone who who clearly, um, the minute he has an opportunity, is going to take off his mask. My heart just went out to yep. people whose livelihoods rely on being there um, and have to take that risk every single day. It is um, it, it is so painful. It's like if I were there, I would have a hard time not trying to rescue people from that environment. Yeah. Absolutely. Same here. Just very quickly, a few headlines uh, for those of you who are watching this evening. Axios reporting the White House has no plans to mandate masks. None. No plans to mandate the staff and visitors wear masks on the grounds of the White House even after Trump tests uh, positive. Maggie Haberman of The New York Times tweeted earlier um, that more than more info on two White House uh, resident staff members who earlier tested positive, not related to what happened over the last week. They had worked for the housekeeping department on the third floor and did not come into direct contact with the first family. When their test came back positive, they were told to, quote, use discretion in discussing it. They didn't want it discussed. Donald Trump today still said, don't be afraid of COVID. Don't be afraid of COVID. 210,000 people dead. Don't be afraid. Seven million, uh, million people infected. There were two. Um, I'm going to come back to you, Tim, because I interrupted you. But I want to just pose to you that there are two models for presidential behavior when you've done poorly in messaging on COVID going in. There is the Yair Bolsonaro model where you come out and you say, you know, I'm the strongest person in the world. Look at how macho I am. Didn't take me down at all. But you didn't tell anybody really what you went through. And then there's the Boris Johnson um, out of Britain model where he came out humble and said, you know, this nearly killed me. And I now have a greater respect for our health care services and for immigration because it was an immigrant doctor who treated him. Donald Trump has clearly gone the Bolsonaro model. It, the floor is yours, Tim. Well, in Bolsonaro went the Donald Trump model, you know, this sort of, um, um, you know, capo demonstration of brute force and blunt leadership in the moment we're in right now. Other leaders globally have taken this on from Trump. And Donald Trump is never going to evolve. He is a, a psychologically troubled man and an infant who is incapable of evolving. Boris Johnson learned from his mistakes and he adjusted. That's what all of us try to do in life. Trump has never done this. And, you know, one of the things I went when Dr. Chu was speaking earlier um, at that moment that I wanted to bring up is we still don't have the president's medical records. And before all of this mm. happened, and we don't know what medications he has been on prior to this. And now he's had an entire kitchen sink of medications thrown at him to treat the coronavirus. And, and, I, and I just wondered if Dr. Chu, um, you know, had thoughts on the fact that you have someone here who's being completely opaque about his current treatment and had already been opaque about his previous medical history. Uh, the kind of, I think, yeah. biological um, perfect storm that could create. And Dr. Chu, he would have had to disclose 
to the doctors who are treating him at Walter Reed, I'm assuming, because he was checked into Walter Reed before, and we never did find out what that was about. He had that mark on his hand, you know, that looked like, we don't know what that was. Was that a place, you know, where people were sticking needle in there? We have no idea what it was, and that was still very murky. But he would have had to disclose that, right? What do you make of the question Tim just asked of his previous, whatever they are, medical conditions? I mean, presumably his physicians have full access to his medical records, although I, I say that with some hesitation just because it really seems like all bets are off with this president. He's dictating his care, what his doctors know and don't know seems to be up to him. Um, but it, I mean, it's true. There's a lot of mysteries surrounding him that make it difficult for an observer like myself to really understand his full risk profile, um, how medications that he's on might interact with the new medications he's given. And also, of course, he's a complete N of one when it comes to how patients like him will do because he received an experimental therapy in combination with a, a very mm. new emergency mm -hmm. use therapy. Um, and there's just kind of layers and layers of, of uncertainty and newness when it comes to how he'll do. But I agree with you. I mean, there's a lot in the mix that we don't know. Um, he's a complex patient. There's plenty of in, um, potential for drug-drug interactions, depending on what he's on. Um, so uh, it's not that it's, he's, he's the last person who will have a very simple, straightforward course here. Yeah, and because he doesn't pay his taxes, which Tim O'Brien knows very well, he's getting this basically all for 750 bucks when the rest of us are all paying for it. So that's, that's free uh, to you, Donald Trump. We're paying for it uh, because you don't pay your taxes. Uh, Tim O'Brien, uh, Dr. Esther Chu, thank you very much for putting up with me uh, for several minutes. Thank you very much. Donald Trump's coronavirus diagnosis should be a reckoning for his cronies in Congress who have enabled his worst impulses, including playing down the pandemic in the first place. Well, that's if they had any common sense. According to The Washington Post, some Republicans are worrying, really, that the party will pay a heavy price. There was a panic before this started, but now we're sort of the stupor par stupid party, said Ed Rollins, co-chair of a pro-Trump super PAC. Sort of is working real hard in that sentence. The party seems content to live down to that name today. The Commission on Presidential Debates approved a plexiglass barrier at this week's vice presidential debate between Mike Pence and Senator Kamala Harris at Senator Harris's request. A, spokesman, a spokeswoman for Pence said, quote, if Senator Harris wants to use a fortress around herself, have at it. Meanwhile, three Republican senators have already tested positive. Utah's Mike Lee, North Carolina's Tom Tillis, and Wisconsin's Ron Johnson. And despite their house being on fire, Republicans are saying this is all fine, all fine, and are moving forward with their attempt to steal a Supreme Court seat anyway, while millions of Americans are already voting. Here's what Senator Johnson had to say today from isolation about a vote on Judge Barrett and the handling of the virus. If we have to go in and vote, I mean, I've already, I've, I've already told the uh, leadership, I'll, I'll go in in the moon suit. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we think this is pretty important. What we really ought to do, and I'll, I'll still say it, and I'll probably get beat up in the press for this, we should have filed the Sweden model. Isolate the sick, quarantine them, protect the vulnerable, and allow the rest of society to carry on with, with life as carefully as possible. You have to pass science classes to wear a moon suit for astronauts. Joining me now is Stuart Stevens, senior advisor to Lincoln Project and author of It Was All a Lie, How the Republican Party Became Donald Trump. Uh, the stupid party, so, uh, so says one. Um, Stuart, I just want to get your your reaction to that scene, which uh, hopefully we can show again. There are two, because I was coming in prepared to really focus in on that little drive around Walter Reed stunt that Donald Trump pulled the other day. But he beat that today. Not only he drove around just so he could wave from behind the sealed glass with Secret Service agents trapped inside with him while he had just a very simple mask on, not even an N95. 
um, just so he could wave to his supporters and feel good about himself for five seconds. I guess shoot a video of it with the Proud Boys out there, uh, at least the head of the Proud Boys out there. Today, he walked up to our house, up the steps of our White House, took off his mask, and then faced humans, faced people, while he's highly contagious. Your thoughts? Um, look, I think this is going to go down uh, in a tough competition between the worst photo op in uh, Trump's presidency, uh, this or the Bible holding. I don't know who keeps coming up with these ideas, <laughs> but they really just ought to shut up. Uh, this is a terrible idea. He looks like an idiot. I mean, here you have a guy jacked up on steroids um, who was talking about his opponent taking a, a drug test. I mean, he's saying he's going to go into a debate now on the mother of all performance-enhancing drugs, steroids. Um, listen, I don't think people, the party may be stupid, but I don't think people are stupid. Uh, I think they look at this, they see it as a silly stunt. Uh, he's, he's walking into a hot zone. I mean, this is a guy that, that turned his own home into a hot zone because of his denial and his lies and his just general uh, stupidity. So... I, I think this is all just going to you know, take a guy who's in a really bad place politically and put him in a worse place. But, you know, and it's also the party being hoist on its own petard, isn't it? They're so greedy yeah. and gravelicious to get that Supreme Court seat, even though millions of people, like three million votes are already in the tank, in the can. People are voting now. The election is now. And they're so greedy for that seat that they all packed into the renovated Rose Garden that Melania Trump took away Jackie O's beautiful rose garden, replaced it with whatever that is, and packed on in there. And then a bunch of them have COVID now. And probably more will end up with it. So it's the party, right? I mean, Donald, Ron Johnson, yeah, the genius Ron Johnson, who thinks, I mean, he said, go to the Sweden model. Sweden records the highest death tally in 150 years in the first six months of 2020 because of COVID. Your time, sorry. I mean, uh, you know, the, the Swedes don't think what they did was correct. Uh, leave it to Ron Johnson to say <laughs> that they handled it right. Um, Look, look, this is a, what, what's happening now is a culmination of some factors that have been at work in the party for a long time. It's an anti-science, anti-elite, anti-knowledge, anti-truth uh, combination where they look at higher education as some sort of conversion therapy for socialism. So uh, <laughs> you end up with what? You know, a, a couple hundred thousand people plus dying and more on the way. Look, you know, the reality of this election is that COVID is on the ballot. And if you think everything's going great in the country with COVID, vote for this guy. Um, I don't think most people do. I think most people understand that yeah. there is no plan to address this. And the only way we're going to uh, change pattern, change path on COVID is to change presidency. And Joe Biden right. knows that. He's presenting a calm um, exterior. He doesn't seem to be trying to capitalize on this overtly politically. Um, but Trump is just digging himself in deeper with the party's help. Uh, here, three, let's do three items for you, um, Stuart. Lindsey Graham, uh, I don't know if you got a chance to watch this South Carolina Senate debate. It was epic. Uh, here he was yeah. talking about COVID uh, during that debate this weekend. The one thing I want people to know is that the virus is serious, but we have to move on as a nation. When a military member gets an infected, you don't shut down the whole unit. We're going to have a hearing to not, uh, for Amy Barrett, the nominee to the Supreme Court. It will be done safely, but I've got a job to do and I'm pressing on. Here's Jamie Harrison's response. We're not gonna blame the president. We shouldn't blame the president. We shouldn't blame anybody for the, the inception of this disease. But where blame should come 
is how we handle this disease, whether or not we take it seriously. You know, tonight I am taking it seriously. That's why I put this uh, plexiglass up. Meanwhile, uh, in Iowa, Joni Ernst had to apologize for echoing conspiracy theories by expressing skepticism about the reported coronavirus numbers and suggesting this, suggesting that healthcare workers might be inflating the numbers to get higher reimbursement from Medicare. I mean, that's the kind of stuff Rick Scott used to do when he ran a medical company, but not medical workers. Uh, the senator said Saturday that she had offered an apology to health care workers. I'm so sorry that my words may have offended you. You think? She says, uh, I, I'm sure that you are. I know that you're tremendous health care workers, you're essential workers, blah, blah, blah. Having gone that far down, how does the Republican Party even recover as an entity after this era? Well, look, you know, I wrote a book um, that was pretty pessimistic about the Republican Party that I finished a year ago. And I just keep waking up thinking I was way overly optimistic. Um, I mean, I, <laughs> if I if I'd said a year ago, you know, in October going into the second debate, uh, we'd have a disease that killed the largest number of people uh, in 100 years, that we have the worst economy since the Depression and maybe worse than the Depression. And by the way, you can't leave the country. You can't drive to Canada. You can't drive to Mexico. The only country in Europe you can go to is Serbia. People would have said I was crazy. Uh, but, but that's where, where we're in. Um, you know, a lot of times we focus on sort of the weirdness of Donald Trump. But if he was just a normal president, say like some boring guy like Mike Pence, he'd be headed to a record defeat, um, as is Trump. You've got 20, 21 percent of the people think the country's going in the right direction, and that's probably going down every day. Um, the Republicans here, what I just don't get is their moral collapse. If we had the same death rate as Germany, which is 111 out of uh, a million instead of 550 out of a million, which is America's death rate, over 160 plus thousand people would still be alive. That's a lot of people. Yeah. And they've contributed to this. And it's, it's historic. I think it's one of the, if not the greatest public policy disaster in American history. Yeah. And they're stepping over those bodies just to rush and grab a Supreme Court seat because that's all they care about, apparently. They think it's their only job. I've never seen anything like it. I've said this to you before, Stuart Stevens. My father leaned way Republican. He was a big Reagan guy. Right. He is turning his grave. I don't even know what this is. Uh, Stuart Stevens, thank you very much. I appreciate your Thank time you tonight and your book is excellent. Hopefully people read it. Uh, and we are continuing to follow these breathtaking uh, developments that are happening tonight. The very, very, very contagious Donald Trump returning to the White House tonight. Uh, and he thinks he has a great moment. He thinks this is amazing. It's really not. He says he's getting back on the campaign trail soon. Good, lucky, lucky, lucky supporters. Latest on that. Hey guys, Willie Geist here. This week on the Sunday Sit-Down Podcast, I get together with Ina Garten for a virtual catch-up about her latest cookbook, filming her show while at home the last few months, and a Zoom cocktail party with Ina. Get our conversation now for free wherever you download your podcasts. I'm Tremaine Lee, host of Into America, a podcast from MSNBC. Join me as we go into the roots of inequality. It's an economic injustice and a racial injustice. And then when you add health, it's a health injustice. Into what's at stake. People are going to be voting not for a person, but for stability. And into what comes next. 
Into America, a podcast about who we are as Americans and who we want to become. New episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Subscribe now. Tonight, Donald Trump said he'll be back on the campaign trail soon. Yay. And with just 29 days to go, it's a tale of two campaigns, with Trump back on the attack against Democrats, tweeting up a storm this morning from the hospital. And one of his surrogates is actually still mocking Joe Biden for wearing a mask. With regard to Joe Biden, I think too often he's used the mask as a prop. We can't all just stay in our basement for the rest of our lives. <laughs> it's not a prop to save your life. Trump has shown he cares more about waving to his supporters than he does about the help of those around him with that little joy ride that he took yesterday. And then there's Joe Biden, who, as NBC's Mike Memoli points out, does have crowds of people who want to see him, despite what Trump tried to argue at the debate. According to Memoli, the Biden campaign has repeatedly said he's doing everything he can to discourage the kinds of crowd gatherings that in many states and localities are against COVID regulations. Biden had taken down his negative ads and limited his statements to Trump on Trump to thoughts and prayers. But today he noted that since Trump is tweeting, he should just go ahead and listen to the scientists and make masks mandatory. Early in-person or absentee voting has already begun in more than 30 states, and more than 3.6 million votes have already been cast. Large lines, long lines, formed in South Carolina where early voting began today. And it's the last day, by the way, to register to vote in 11 states. Google that, and there it is. There they are right there. Meanwhile, an NBC Wall Street Journal poll has Joe Biden ahead by a whopping 14 points. So it's no surprise Trump and his campaign are doing everything they can to suppress that vote. And that is up next. Donald Trump clearly sees the same polls we do and must realize he's losing the election. So he and his party are trying to stop Americans from voting. A couple of examples. The Associated Press reports that when Donald Trump's campaign took issue with a new rule on processing some votes in North Carolina, it wrote to some of the state's 100 local election offices with extraordinary guidance. Ignore that rule. Meanwhile, Pennsylvania Republicans are asking the Supreme Court to strike down an extension that would allow ballots that are postmarked by Election Day to be counted, even if they arrive after Election Day. Meanwhile, in Texas, voting rights groups are suing after their governor ordered that each county can only have just one ballot drop-off location, disregarding that some counties are larger and much more populous than others. I'm joined now by two great guests to discuss this with, Ari Berman, senior reporter for Mother Jones, and Latasha Brown, co-founder of Black Voters Matter. Thank you both. Ari, I'm going to let you run through really quickly. What are the biggest hot spots and threats? I just read three examples to voters uh, in this already occurring voting season. Those are really good examples you picked, Joy. In North Carolina, they're basically telling election officials to ignore the law. In Pennsylvania, they're trying to throw out hundreds of thousands of ballots. In Texas, they're going from 12 voting locations to drop off your mail ballot in Harris County, which is 2.4 million registered voters, to just one for a county that's larger than 27 states. So Republicans are really throwing the kitchen sink when it comes to suppressing votes. They're not just attacking a vote by mail, they're attacking voting in person, they're lying about voter fraud, they're making it harder to count votes. And the further President Trump slips in the polls, the more I imagine they will rely on voter suppression as their only strategy to try to win because they can't talk about 200,000 people dying or 10 million people out of work or all of the ways they failed. They're going to try to 
suppress votes to try to entrench power through anti-democratic means. You know, and Latasha, you're on a, a tour right now uh, with Black Voters Matter um, going through the South. Um, because the, and I'm tell me, first of all, what kind of impediments you're concerned about uh, for voters, particularly in these southern states that are very hot, you know, in terms of the election, uh, but also on this question of voter intimidation. Donald Trump today called out for a Trump army of poll watchers to go and watch voters, which means he wants them to intimidate voters. And I don't know who he wants, Proud Boys or whatever. What are you concerned about going into as we're already voting? You know, there are three things that I think that the Republicans are trying to use. One, they're trying to use restrict access and ballot access. And we're seeing that as already raised. We're seeing that in South Carolina, in Texas, and in Pennsylvania. Secondly, we're also seeing where they are using and weaponizing the court system and litigation. We know that they increased their litigation amount from 10 million at the beginning of the year by April is 20 million. There are 245 more plus cases that are pending right now related to coronavirus um, lawsuits related to voting. And then the third thing is to create this culture of fear, of confusion and chaos. And so what we've been seeing and hearing that people are going, are really ready to go up against that. That there are folks, there are poll workers and poll watchers that saying that they're gonna be in their communities, they're not gonna be intimidated. And we're seeing that all across the board and misinformation. We've seen um, rallies and information that uses uh, even our own organization that falsely uses the name of our organization so that they can trick people and bring them in a process by creating chaos and confusion. Right. I mean, I know that it happened to you because we have a tweet from you that talked about the fact that even the Black Voters Matter logo was appropriated by somebody else that was selling T-shirts at a a Trump, a pro-Trump event, and they were a vendor at that event. So there's even some obfuscation going on, Latasha. Absolutely. All across the board, we're seeing that. We're seeing where there's fake information that's being passed out in communities, particularly black communities. There are commercials that are run in by, by uh, and supported by Republicans that are giving um, um, bad information. We're seeing these flyers. We're seeing just like this event, which is the Black Voters Matter Freedom Fest that was not sponsored by us. They illegally used our logo and literally said that this was an event for pro-Trump, but we're seeing this all across the yep. board. They're desperate because they're losing. Very quickly, Ari, what should people do to protect themselves as they vote? The most important thing people need to do is first off, register to vote. There are huge registration deadlines in a bunch of key states, as you mentioned, in Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Ohio, Texas, et cetera. People need to make a plan to vote early, vote early by mail or vote early in person. Make that plan now and recognize that Trump is the biggest super spreader, not just when it comes to COVID, but when it comes to attacks on the democratic process and voting rights. So he's gonna try to demobilize people because he knows that if there is record turnout and if people vote in record numbers, he will lose. So the fact that Trump is spending every day lying about voter fraud and attacking voting rights is an affirmation that people actually have power when it comes to voting. So I think in response to everything we're seeing right now, we are going to see record numbers of people turn out and register their discontent with the president and say they're going to use their vote to change things in this country. And I, Absolutely. And I also, uh, the other thing he loves. Sure. I, Quickly. I think it's really important for us to know that people are unraveling democracy, that this isn't just about this election. This is about the unraveling of democracy. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Thank you both. By the way, I just want to read a tweet from this day. Um, this was in 2014, October 5, 2014. This was Donald Trump tweeting. 
what the hell is Obama doing in allowing all of these potentially very sick people to continue entering the U.S.? Exclamation point. Is he stupid or arrogant? Uh, it seems like he was uh, having some prophecy about his current, what he did today, October 5th of 2020. Thank you, Ari Berman, Latasha Brown. Thank you both very much. That is tonight's readout. Hey, it's Chris Hayes. This week on my podcast, Why Is This Happening? I'll be talking with Zach Carter about his new biography of the economist John Maynard Keynes. This is exactly that kind of uncertainty moment that Keynes was talking about. And he said, what you need to do in order to manage that macroeconomy correctly is to take into account the fact that people don't know about the future. And that means the governments will have to play a role providing certainty to people. The government can manage uncertainty in ways that individuals and private businesses cannot. And if the government manages that uncertainty, you are able to have a system in which a somewhat private economy can continue to function. That's this week on Why Is This Happening. Search for Why Is This Happening wherever you're listening right now and subscribe.